great to have you here today. In fact, great that I'm there with you today. You know, a few months ago, it was a fantastic day for a game of golf. So I rang Tom, my son, and we went out for a round. Now, there's a good principle in this that great company always makes up for bad golf. And uh, that certainly was the case on this day. So we finished up and we were heading home and driving out of the golf club, I was driving down the road and all of a sudden I was aware of this police car following me with its lights flashing. So I stopped and got out of the car and I had a wonderful conversation with the policeman. Uh, we were talking about the dangers of speeding and of how we need to obey the road rules for the safety, not only of myself, but also of everybody else on the road. Well, he asked me after a while through this conversation if I knew what the speed limit was in this particular stretch of road. And I said confidently, sure, it's 80 kilometres an hour. And that's where you have a problem, he said, it's 60 kilometres an hour. I found myself going, no, you've got to be kidding. Well, he grinned a little, looked at me and said, no, I'm right, you're wrong. I can see you're in a hurry. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'll uh, send you the speeding ticket in the post. Well, I drove off a little quietly and to be honest, I was still thinking it was an 80 kilometre an hour uh, area until I got around the corner and there was one of those beautiful signs with 60 right in the middle of it. Yeah, I might have missed them before that, I might have ignored them, but what I never had was a defence. You didn't make it clear. Yeah, welcome back to our series, In the Beginning. Looking at the first chapters of the Bible, we're beginning to understand how God has made us and the world, its meaning, its purpose, its origin, and its destiny. And last week, Sarah introduced us to the historical account of Noah, and we're going to continue our lessons with him today with this reality that God never surprises people with judgment. He's crystal clear in his warning. And yet for those who listen and obey him, he saves and he renews. You know, the situation in Noah's day was far worse than speeding tickets. In the Bible, in uh, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, tells us that the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all of the time. The wickedness of the human race could not be described more strongly. Chapter 6 tells us that there was sexual perversion, there was demonic activity, there was widespread corruption and violence. The statement, continual evil in the heart of humanity all the time, is so strong. And if you looked for any evidence of goodness in humanity's thinking and actions in those days, you simply wouldn't find it. So God warns. And in chapter 6, verse 13, it says, God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both God, both them and the earth. In chapter 7, verse 4, God said to Noah, seven days before the flood came, he said, seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living thing I have created. See, God warned. The instructions from the Lord were clear. Build an ark a place to provide safety from coming judgment, the likes of which you have never, ever seen. And Noah listened and he obeyed. He built the ark. He aligned his life around the instructions and the warning of coming judgment. There was never any doubt in Noah's mind that God's judgment was coming. He not only believed that God would send the flood, 
He obeyed what God told him to do in preparation for it. You know, some commentators suggest that it may have taken Noah 120 years to build this ark, this floating box that maritime experts these days tell us is perfectly designed for stability on the seas. And you can imagine him doing that, and while he's doing that over 120 years, he's answering the questions that people might have. I have in my mind a, a, a picture of him halfway up the side of the ark one day, and somebody walks by and says, hey, Noah, what are you doing? And he looks down, he says, oh, I'm building an ark. And this other person goes, well, why? And he says, well, because God's going to bring judgment on the wickedness of the world. And you can imagine how well that statement would go down. And you can imagine this person looking up and going, well, how do you think your God's going to do that? And you can imagine Noah looking down saying, because I believe that God's going to flood the earth and he's going to wipe out every living creature. And he's told me to build this ark so that we can be safe, that we can be saved. Do you know the amazing thing is that in all of that time, nobody else wanted to join him. The Bible says the inclination of their hearts was evil all the time. They had no time for God, the creator, and no desire for salvation, even though it was right there. Then when the ark was finished and the day of judgment fell due, God said to Noah in Genesis chapter 7, verse 1, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I found you righteous in this generation. You know, that description of Noah was unique to him. It not only refers to the righteous way Noah lived, like his great-grandfather Enoch did, he walked faithfully with God. But it also speaks to this idea that Noah was uncorrupted by Satan's attempt to sow a demonic virus amongst the genetic pool of mankind. The statement, righteous in the generation, is sometimes translated as perfect in his generations. And what it means was that Noah was pure in his genetic profile. Well, Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came and God had warned, and for those who listened and obeyed, God saved. And verse 13 of chapter 7 tells us that on that very day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, together with his wife and the wives of his three sons, entered the ark. And then the Lord shut them in. You know, there came a moment when there was no more opportunity for people to walk through the door of the ark. There came a moment when that ark door was shut and judgment began. All the warnings had been given. The welcome mat to the ark that saves was there right until that moment. But then judgment had to start and the rain started and God shut the door. Verse 23 tells us that every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. The people and the animals and the creatures that move along the ground and the birds were wiped out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. You know, the question of the scope of the flood is deeper than we have time for today. Suffice to say that we believe in a worldwide flood. And interestingly enough, over 200 cultures in our world believe that there was a world flood. Yeah, the biblical account describes a catastrophic geological event that explains the formation of the world's geological features and the laying down of fossil records as the flood changed the face of the earth. But more than simply a geological event through the flood, God judged 
and through his judgment, God renews. And in chapter 8, verse 1, God then turns his attention back to Noah and it says this, God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth and the waters receded. Now the springs of the deep and the floodgates of the heavens had been closed and the rain stopped falling from the sky. You might be thinking, well, did God forget Noah? It says that God remembered Noah. And it wasn't that God had forgotten. It's a Hebraic turn of phrase, which literally means God began to act again on their behalf. It was as if God had said to Noah, I've got you safe in the ark. I'm turning my attention somewhere else. Don't worry, I'm coming back and I'm going to remember you and I'm going to act on your behalf again. And so he did. And he began to start on this new way of life. It's interesting that it says there in chapter 8 that God sent the wind, that's the ruach, it's the same word as we see in chapter 1 when the Spirit of God hovered over the chaos of the world. In the same way, the Spirit of God, this invisible, creative, powerful force who ultimately we discover as the person of the Holy Spirit moves again across the face of the earth. And the earth stops erupting and the windows of heaven close and the rain stops and renewal begins one year after the rain started and the ark comes to rest on the top of a mountain and the ground dries out. And in that moment, God said to Noah, Genesis 8:15, come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground so that they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. It's like God is recommissioning creation to do what he'd called creation to do. Could you imagine being Noah in this moment? It's just you, your family, and all of the animals. You look around and the, the world is totally renewed. The wickedness of the world has been swept away. It's an incredible fresh start. It's a new start. I wonder what the first thing is that you would do. Well, the Bible tells us what Noah did in verse 20 of chapter 8. Noah built an altar to the Lord. And taking some of the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. You know, the first thing that Noah did is he worshipped. And he, he got this burnt offering, and, and that is an expression of complete surrender to God. It was like here in this moment, this, this moment of utter renewal, the first thing on his mind was to say, God, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my life. You've saved me. Everything I have, everything I own, it is all yours. Nothing held back. And salvation and renewal for Noah resulted in unrestrained worship. He gave it all. And the Lord in that moment declared that the world would never be destroyed by a flood again. And he also introduces seasons. You know, this is the first moment in the Bible where the rhythm of seasons is defined. The Lord's describing how the world will now behave after the flood has radically altered the earth. And he also notes here 
world has not changed. The human heart is still not free from evil. So while there is a fresh start, the problem of evil and sin still remains, which points to an even more profound warning, message of salvation, judgment, and renewal. You know, in the first century AD, there was a man called Peter. He was one of the apostles of Jesus Christ. And he was reflecting one day on the story of Noah and on the state of the human heart. And he warned us, you and I, that evil and sin have consequences that are inescapable. And he wrote about it in 2 Peter chapter 3, where he said these words, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. Now, the last days, from when Jesus returned back up to heaven until he comes again, these are the last days. We're in the last days. In the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, says Peter. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You know, for you and I, the warning sign is so clear. God warns us that evil will be dealt with. Judgment is coming, taking the ungodly with it. But before judgment comes, just as in the days of Noah, God wants to save. He wants to save people who would come to repentance, who would turn away from living separate from God and come to restore your relationship with God who created you. Well, you might ask, well, what are the warning signs of this coming judgment? Well, firstly, there is the Bible. The words we have just read, God is warning us, and not in a punitive way, but in a merciful way, that for the sake of your own, own soul, listen to the warning. Yeah, there is the observation of evil and sin in the world. Yeah, there is enough goodness in humanity to sense injustice and evil and to desire its removal. Yet there is a frustration at the evil inclination of every human heart that we just can't seem to get there. As Aidan said at the beginning of our service, it's going to take someone from outside. There is a sense in our own heart and soul that the world is not the way it should be. And just as in the days of Noah, there is violence and wickedness in the world. All of these are, are warning signs if we would care to watch them and God will judge the world. But remember, God never surprises people with judgment. He is crystal clear with his warning. And for those who listen and obey, who repent, he saves and he renews. Now you might be listening to this message today and find yourself thinking, well, hey, 
I know some Christians. Why have I not been warned by them? If they truly believe this stuff, then surely they'll do everything they can to warn me. As a Christian, if that's your experience, I'm sorry we've not been loving and clear to warn you with the message of salvation. It's true, you know. We as Christians can become comfortable in our faith and in our church communities. We can see the warning signs more as an interesting commentary on society than a driver to do everything we possibly can to warn you so that you too can step into salvation through Jesus Christ. We can get so caught up in thinking our faith is personal that it doesn't need to be shared and we can hold the misbelief that faith is subjective, that as long as you believe something good, it's all okay. But we can forget that on the road of life, there are warning signs. And you know, the greatest and most profound warning sign was Jesus Christ himself. And John, the apostle, wrote in John chapter 3, verse 16, he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him, that is Jesus, is not condemned, But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. You know, my speeding ticket was totally appropriate. I ignored the warning signs that were clearly placed on the road. Imagine if the police force had gone one step further and beneath every single speed limit sign in the country, they posted a police officer with a neon light flashing it, waving at you, desperately helping you to make sure that you stayed within the speed limit. Well, that's actually how far God's gone. He has stepped into our world in the person of Jesus Christ warning us, pleading with us to say, would you please step out of judgment and into salvation? And not only that, but then when Jesus Christ returned to glory, he sent his Holy Spirit to empower every single believer to go out and to spread this incredible message of salvation from judgment. This is the call of our God. And for those of us who follow Jesus, let the story of Noah compel us to do every single thing we can to warn those we know and love about the coming judgment and the way of salvation through Jesus Christ. And if you're listening to this message today and you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, all I've said is true. And can I invite you right here right now to put your faith and your trust in Jesus. There is a coming judgment. The Bible is clear. But so much more important for you right now is to know that there is salvation now. I say, how do I do that? Well, I'm going to pray a prayer and I invite you just to borrow these words. They're words that can be an expression of your heart. And I'm going to ask us all just to take a moment and to pause before God, our Creator, 
and to surrender our lives to him. And maybe for you, this is the very first time you will have done that. And if that is true, you're about to be saved. You're about to be born again. You're about to enter the family of God. You're about to know security that is beyond this world. You're about to understand that the creator who loves you and made you has a plan and a purpose for your life. Would you join me in prayer? Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you that you love me, that you love me enough to warn me about my future. I agree with you. I am a sinner and have evil intentions. You tell me that I deserve judgment and I agree with that. Here and now, I repent. I turn from living my own way and turn to you. I ask that you would forgive me and give me the gift of eternal life. Thank you for saving me. I surrender my life to you now. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Now, if you prayed that now, if you repented and surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, welcome home. It is a joy to have you with us. And we're celebrating that you've heard the Lord's warning and chosen salvation rather than judgment. And you've received this free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. If that is you, let us help you grow as a follower of Jesus Christ, either by clicking the I commit my life to Jesus button on the chat function, or if you're watching this later on or you're just on uh, your ordinary uh, browser, then there's an email address online at thestreet.org.nz, and we would love to get in touch with you and help you get connected so that you can continue to grow as a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, the message of Noah is this, God warns, God saves, God judges, God renews. And for followers of Jesus Christ, there is this wonderful promise of a new heavens and a new earth. Not one where evil inclinations will continue, but a renewed creation where sin and evil are done away with, renewed by fire, where all things will be made new. And you know what? Just like Noah after the flood and the freshness of that renewed creation where he offered up a burnt offering and worship and complete surrender of his life, we too, as saved followers of Jesus Christ, when we get there, we will worship. And we will worship with absolute abandon. We'll worship our King, our Creator, our Savior. We'll be around His throne and we'll do it without reservation. We'll do it without compromise. We will do it in purity and holiness. And we will do it and we'll lay our lives down again in all of glory for His purposes in the new creation. Wow, won't that be incredible? I wonder, will you be there? We so want to see you there. Would you surrender your life to Christ? And you know, as a foretaste of that worship, right here and now, we're going to worship. We're going to worship with a song of blessing. And I'd invite you to join with us as we worship together now.